Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Glory to God. Well, I am so excited to be here tonight. And I am so privileged and so honored to get to speak into your heart. It's a real uh, privilege to get to do that. And I thank you that you yielded to God and yielded to the Spirit of God so He can open up your heart and then everything He has to say through me, you get it. Wouldn't that be great if every message you heard we got, actually received it and got it in our heart and it started working in our life? Well, that can happen. But you just really got to yield yourself over to God. You've just got to throw it all in, so to speak, you know, and just let him have it and surrender. I know some people don't like that word surrender. They think it means giving up. Well, in a sense, it's just giving up on you doing it by yourself is what it is. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you all for being here. I know you love God. Amen? Amen. And I know God loves us. Most people do know that. Well, tonight what God wants to do is um, He wants to stir us up so we will love Him more. Now, most of the time when we talk about love or you get a message on love, it's about how much God loves us, and He does. You can look at all the things in our life that God's done, and you can just recount a few of them and be excited, amen? God does love us. But tonight what we're going to talk about is loving God. And we might all think, well, I already do love God. That's why I'm here tonight. Well, praise God, that's part of it. But God's going to show us through the Word exactly what our love for God should look like. Would you like to know that? I found some um, really amazing things I hadn't seen in the Word before. God's revealed some things to me, and He told me to come and tell them to you. So do you have an open heart? Do you believe you can uh, receive tonight? Well, I believe with you, and I know you can. So let's just start out by, uh, Micah, would you put up 1 John 4, 1, 9. All of these scriptures are going to be very familiar to you, or most of them, but you might see them different tonight. We love him because he first loved us. Well, that's a good reason to love him, isn't it? The word says in 2 Chronicles that the eyes of the Lord so search to and fro throughout this earth to find a heart that's loyal to him so he can show himself strong on their behalf. God's looking for somebody to love him. And we're just the people that can do it. Hallelujah. But you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how much we realize or know that God loves us we still are not loving him like we could, like he designed us to. He put, you know, in Romans 5, 5, it says the love of God was shed abroad in our heart when we got saved. Well, that love gave us the ability to love God back. But it doesn't mean we use it. It doesn't mean we have that revelation that that's what that's for or how to love God back the way he wants. So... It's really, though, it's for our benefit that we love God. 
Because everything's going to work out good when we do love God. And I'll show you just the words to prove it here in a minute. Hallelujah. So, Micah, you want to put up Revelation uh, 2, 4, 5, please? And this uh, scripture in Revelation was to the church of Ephesus. And it was given, uh, the word was given through John, the Apostle John, by the Holy Spirit. But this church in the um, beginning, or these people that were in this church in the beginning, Ephesus in the beginning was totally demonic. I mean, they practiced witchcraft and magic and the occult and... They were in every kind of deep, dark, demonic thing you can imagine. But when Paul came through there, he hit the town, and he started preaching, evangelizing, got people saved, and then that all changed. They even they made a big bonfire, burned all that junk, and they became the most glorious church in all the land. And when uh, John wrote this, he said, uh, Nevertheless... I have this against you. The Amplified says, I have one charge against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Well, the Amplified says, you've abandoned that love that you had at first. That's what um, the Spirit of God was saying. You've left it. Well, they did. They abandoned that love. They no longer had that love that they had at the first. Now, this church, they weren't bad. They didn't go back to all that demonic stuff. In fact, he commends them uh, seven times in, that, in verse 2. Micah, do you have that handy? If not, that's okay. I paraphrased it here. Um, he said, um, no, it, it's 2-4. Um, yeah, I, he said, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. This is the church, he said, doesn't have enough love for him. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. Go ahead to 3. And you've persevered and had patience and you've labored for my namesake, and you've not become weary. Well, that sounds like a pretty good church, doesn't it? Sounds like they were doing it all right. But he said, I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. Hallelujah. And you know what? That's what we do sometimes to a certain degree. Sometimes we get so busy with the work of the Lord, we forget about the Lord of the work. And I think that's what happened in Ephesus. They got so busy with doing everything that they had learned to do for God that their hearts got displaced and they forgot the love of the Lord. They forgot how much they loved God. They forgot where they came from and how, how God had filled them with that love and how it had changed their life and how the glory had been there. The glory can't be there. The presence of God can't be there if we're just doing works. Amen? So that's what he's talking to him about. Well, you know what? That was a literal church in Ephesus, but God's still speaking to the church today. We want to be sure that that word doesn't fit us. We want to be sure we really do love God like he wants us to 
Because you do know it's all for our good. Because if we love God, then that means God can be inside of us, and He's the one that takes care of our life. Amen? So it's to it for our good. We need to be wholehearted in love with Him. That's why He created us. It's our love for God that connects us to God. It's our love for God that identifies us as Christians, as believers. I mean, people don't care when... And the outside people don't care that don't go to church. They don't care what we're doing in the church. They don't care about that stuff. And they just assume you probably wouldn't come knocking on their door. You know what I mean? But when they see a Christian love somebody that's not even in the church, but they're going to go ahead and be selfless and love somebody, that speaks. That's the love of God and the love for God. You have to love God to do that. You have to love God to love others. If you say you don't love God and you love others, well, that's, that's a lie. You, because you have to love God in order to truly love others with your love of God. Praise God. Um, I guess you all know the time we live in. I mean, it seems to me that things are getting darker all the time, but the church is getting brighter and lighter all the time, amen? Because we're countering that. But we, let's go to 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to begin with. We're going to read through verse 4. And it is kind of talking, you know, we're in, I believe we're in the last days. There's so much preaching on it, and the Spirit of God's laboring to get us to know that the hour is late. You know, maybe if it's not right at the end in the last days, it's our last days. You know, we want to live for God as big and as bold as we can in the last days because that's what he's called us to. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 1, 1, starting with 1, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. When I read that, I knew perilous wasn't good, but I didn't know exactly what it meant. So when I looked it up, it's dangerous, difficult, hard to deal with, harsh, and grievous. Well, he said, perilous times will come. I think they're here, don't you? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without any self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, and the last one, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Amen. Now, why would God put that in there on the end with all this stuff? Does it mean it's just as bad? It's serious stuff. Yeah. I mean, he named it with all this other stuff that I don't even like to read. He said, and the last of all, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, lovers of pleasure, I looked it up, and it actually means it's the unrestrained seeking of carnal pleasures. If you don't know what carnal means, that means fleshly, or of the flesh and not of the spirit, things that don't please God. It's when we want to please ourselves over God. I mean, if we can please ourselves and Him still be glad about it, we're okay. But it's pleasing him over us. 
Sometimes God asks us some, to do some things that go against the flesh. But it's for our own good that we do that. We listen and obey. You know, it's the choices we make in life that shows who we love. It really is. It's how we live our life. It shows who we love. I mean, people, a lot of people love to be entertained, and they do a lot of entertainment, you know, get involved in a lot of entertainment. Well, that's, that's part of what they love. I'm not saying they love that over God. God says we can have things to enjoy, but don't love them more than Him. Not to let it get in the place of Him. That's what He's trying to say tonight. He's not saying any of us don't care about God. But what God's trying to do tonight, He's trying to bring us up a level. He's trying to set us in a new place where our life can be lived in the Spirit of God and God's showing us how to do it. He wants that. He wants us to love Him so our life will be better. Praise God. It's not because God's selfish and He wants all, all the love. That's not God. And anybody with the Spirit of God in them knows that. But God wants us to love Him for us. It's still all about us. You know, there's love of God. There's God's love for us, and then there's our love for God. So our biggest focus tonight is on our love for God and how to make that get better for God, be bigger for God. So we're not done. We're not even started. I really hope I can go a little faster in this. But, um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Loving God does one thing that we all want to keep in mind. It keeps us from falling away from God. Yeah. It anchors our soul. Yeah. Loving God anchors our soul in Jesus and keeps us from falling away. And we all want that. Amen. Um, turn, uh, turn if you want or read up on the board there. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 3. Now, concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies or builds. I wrote that in. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, well, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. If we love God, God knows us. Amen? So what he's saying is, knowledge don't really mean nothing if you don't have a revelation of it. The Word is awesome to read, and you can gain all the knowledge of it you want. You can memorize it if you want. But if you don't love God, you have no revelation of it. He can't reveal it to us if we don't love Him. There's a strong contrast between knowing about God and knowing God. Knowing about God is good, but Knowing God is the best. That's what God wants, to know Him. Hallelujah. And unless we love Him, He cannot reveal Himself to us. Hallelujah. Okay, 
Uh, let's go to Romans 8:28, and I just loved it when we sang that song tonight, Mike, wherever you are. Praise the Lord. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those called according to His purpose. Now, it doesn't say, you know, a lot of people will quote that, but they live out, leave out that part to those who love God. All things work together for good. They say, oh, well, all things work together for good. Well, they don't if you don't love God. All things work together for good to the ones that love God. Why is that? Because God can do good for us when we love Him. It opens the door. It opens the gate for Him to pour it out. It opens the windows of heaven when we love God. All things work together for good when we love God. Amen? Makes you want to love God, doesn't it? The Amplified says, uh, it just adds this piece. And we know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together for good. Now, if we don't love God, don't have God working in us, don't have a revelation of God, God can't work through us, through our labor with us. Amen? Praise the Lord. Good things come to those that love God. Everybody say, I love God. I'm in love with God. Praise God. I'm not letting you go home until you are. Get it. <laughs> not everyone loves God. Did you know that? They won't even profess they love God. A lot of times they don't even know they're supposed to love God. And some don't even believe there is a God, which is a no-brainer, isn't it? You walk outside and know there's a God. They want to believe in something else, something that doesn't have any responsibility, I guess. You can do what you want when you do that. But not everyone loves God because why? Why don't they? I would think everybody would. But not everybody does because we all have a free will. God didn't take that away from us. If he would have taken our will away, he could have made us love him. But this way, we get to choose to love him. That's what excites him. That turns him on when we choose him. We choose to love him and we choose to be everything he wants us to be. Hallelujah. Knowing, um, now I think I said this earlier, but just knowing that God loves us isn't enough to make God love us. That's not enough. I mean, I, I love God. And when I think about my love for God, I think about Him loving me. But that's really not enough. You know what's enough? Choosing all the time to love Him. That's what we have to do. It's a choice all the time. And the devil knows that. He knows we have to choose God. And so he's in there trying to change our chooser. He's trying to change it and make us not choose God deceiving us, putting things in front of us like things to make us get our eyes off God. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. It's a choice of the heart. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, it's possible tonight, listen, it's possible to love God, 
the way he wants us to because of Romans 5.5. 5. Because of that, when I, I was looking that up, when he put that love in us, he said he gushed it into us. I mean, it was a gush. It, it was so much of a gush that we couldn't even not receive it. We couldn't resist it. That's what I want to say. So we had that. That's not what we had in the beginning. That's what we had at first. That's that first, the way we first loved him was with that gush of love. Well, I'm telling you, that gush is still in there. It's just that we got our eyes off of it. We got our eyes off God and got it on other stuff. But we're changing. God's changing us tonight. Hallelujah. He told me today that he was going to mark us tonight for the rest of our life. That we're never going to be the same again. And I'm holding him to it. Because I know he's not a liar. He always tells the truth. And he's going to do it for you. And he also said he knew everybody is going to be here tonight. So you're not just sitting in as a spectator, I hope. Your heart's open to get what God wants to tell us tonight. Go to um, John 14, 15. Jesus is speaking and he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. So what's that mean? Keep his word. When we're keeping his word, just turn that off, you can flip that. When we're keeping his word, it means we love him. When we're doing what the word says, instead of what we want to do, because we know we can go get forgiveness if we don't, but when we keep his word, then he knows we love him. That's what shows a true believer. Then in John 14, 21, in the Amplified Bible, I love the Amplified. Sometimes it gets a little wordy, but I do love it. Amen. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show or reveal or manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Sounds to me like we can have a real relationship with this God. Yes. Amen? And that's if we love him. He wants a tight relationship. God wants everything in our heart to be his. He wants us, he wants to come in there and completely fill it up with him. And he can do it by the Spirit of God if you let him. If we just let him, we have to choose him and let him do it instead of trying to hang on to stuff. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, if you love God, you're going to love what he loves and you're going to hate what he hates. So you might ask yourself or say, how do I know what he loves? How do I know what he hates? Well, it's all in the Word. You know, if he had to, he'd come and wake you up in the night like that song, and he'd tell you what he loves. If you wanted to know. Because when you really hunger and want God, there's a pull on God to answer that. And if you want to know God, all you've got to do is say yes. You know how Nike says, just say no? Well, you just say yes on this one. You just got to open your heart up and let him come in and let him take over. What's wrong with being possessed by the Holy Spirit? 
Not a thing. That's really what we want. We're possessed by the Holy Spirit. We're possessed by Almighty God Himself. I want to be possessed by Him. Life would be so much better. Decisions would be so much easier to make if we were possessed by God. I want to be possessed by Him. I know you do. You wouldn't be here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, let's go to James 1.12. You know, it's a benefit of loving God. One of the benefits of loving God is to keep His Word. And when you love Him, He makes His Word easy and not burdensome to us. His, love, his Word can be such a delight and a treasure and so precious to you that there's no way you ever want to not read it and be in it. Pray it. You know, it's one thing just to read through and know what it says. It's another thing to pray it. It's another thing to meditate on it. And it's another thing to let it just come in and take your heart. Just let it fill up all that stuff, all that stuff that you don't even want in your heart to begin with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Devil's a liar. Say, the devil's a liar. The devil's and I'm in love with God. Praise the Lord. All right. Blessed is the man who endures temptations. That means or trials. For when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. All this stuff is to those who love him, right? Praise God. And we do. Well, what the crown of life means, it's speaking of eternal life. Eternal life refers not only to our length of our life, but it's to the quality of the life that we live. Hallelujah. It's our present life filled with God's grace. Now, pastors taught a whole series on grace. Is that what we want, to be filled with God's grace? Amen? Grace takes the pain out of it. Grace takes us out of it. Take self out of it. Grace gives God the glory. It's grace that we've got to walk in. And that crown of life speaks of God's grace. So if you love God, you'll have that grace on your life. Not just grace for ministry, but that's it. Not just grace for our personal life. Well, it is for our personal life. But it's grace for our whole life. Grace for anything we've been called to do. It's grace for our jobs, of our employment. Grace to raise our kids. Grace to, to love our family, for goodness sake. Sometimes they're not the easiest to love, amen? But it's grace to do everything God's asked us to do in His Word. I can't live without His grace. I don't want to, though. I want that grace, praise God. And we all need the grace of God. And it comes when we love Him. That's just another benefit of loving God. Another benefit of loving God is that we can live in the Spirit and know the deep thoughts of God. Would you like that? I want to know what God's thinking. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2, starting with verse 9, we'll read through 10. <clears throat> Excuse me.
But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. <clears throat> but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. So <clears throat> if we love God, we can know the deep things of God. You know, the flesh, flesh doesn't know anything about spiritual things. It's only the Spirit of God that does. And if we're called to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, then we need the love of God so we can know the deep things of God. We need to know the next thing God's going to have us do. We need to know the person we need to marry. We need to know which trip to go on, which plane to fly on, which car to buy. We need to know all that stuff. He knows we live in a world where there's material things. God knows that. He put us here, for goodness sake. And His Spirit is here to help us when we love God, know the deep things of God. He's here to help us walk through all of that. That's what He wants to do. That's how God wants to treat you and me. He wants to treat us just like that. He wants to show us everything we need to know. He wants to show us everything we need to do. That's what he wants. If we love him, we can. Praise God. And it's only, the only thing we have to do is choose to. Choose to love him. These are what people get and do when they love God. Those that love God also love one another. Ooh, that's a hard one sometimes, huh? Might even be hard in the church to do that, huh? 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love doesn't know God, for God is love. And the love he's talking about there is the unconditional agape love. We've heard this described, pastors described it many times. It's the unconditional love. The love that it doesn't matter what you do, I love you anyway. And the way we can walk in that is to love God. Because he, if we love him, we're so inside of him that he fills us up with this love. This Romans 5.5 5 comes, becomes ours every single day. And then we can walk in love. If we don't love God, there's no way you're going to walk in agape love with anybody else. No way. Because people are going to get ugly with you. They're going to say the wrong things. They're not going to agree with you. They're going to put you down. They maybe will backbite a little and you'll find out about it. That's what happens. That's the world we live in. That's why this love is so unusual. That's what it is. It's unusual. It's not, in fact, you try to explain this to somebody that doesn't know God, they're going to say, you're weird. <laughs> you're just being a doormat. That ain't, that ain't, that's not true. They don't know God, and they don't know the love of God. They don't know the power of the love of God. And how God, when you're loving God so much that he's working in you, you can love anybody just like right. him just like him. We would all agree God loves everybody, right? He does. We can do it too because he's in us. The Holy Ghost is in us. 
The love of God is in us. So he's given us a means and he's given us a way to do it. And he said, you choose. I'm not going to make you do it. He didn't make us get saved, did he? He doesn't bend, uh, twist anybody's arm. That's what's so sweet about it. Because when you come to him, you really mean it. And we just got to get back to the way we first loved him. That's what he wants. Returning to the first love. 1 John um, 4, 20 and 21 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother who he's seen, how can he love God who he's not seen? 21 says, And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother also. Mm -hmm. Think about that. You know, you know why he said that? That if you can't love your brother who you see, how can you love me? Because we can see our natural brothers and sisters with our natural eyes, amen? We can only see God with our spiritual eyes. And that's how he can say that. We see God with our spiritual eyes, and it takes faith to love that, that we don't see. It takes faith. Believing for those things we can't see, takes faith. Well, we got to love God, and we don't see him with our natural eyes, and we're a natural person living on a natural earth. And if we can't love somebody that we can see in the natural, what makes us think we got enough faith to love God who we don't even see? Gotta love our brothers and sisters. But we can. Why? The love of God is shed abroad in our heart. And we love God. Say, I love God. I love God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, people who love God have the right motives. You ever seen anybody that didn't have the right motive? I think we got a lot of people in the body of Christ with the wrong motive for even being in church. Well, anyway, I'll explain that to you here. John 5, verse 39, going through 42. It's, this is Jesus speaking to um, the Jewish leaders. Now, you know, they believed in God, but they didn't believe in Jesus. And he said, you search the scriptures... For in them you think you have eternal life. That's about like saying, well, you read the Bible so you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. He's saying the scriptures talk all about me and you don't even get it. You don't even let your heart believe it. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I don't receive honor from men. But I know, recognize and, or understand. I don't know if that's in there. That's what it means. Recognize or understand. You. I know you. That you do not have the love of God in you. goes right back to what we were saying. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but not have the love of God, and you ain't got nothing. Hallelujah. Now, in the New Testament, remember this, when you're reading in the New Covenant, the phrase, the love of God, 
it can actually mean one of three things. It can mean God's love in us. It can mean God's love for us. Or it can mean our love for God. It depends on the context that it's in. Now, in verse 42 that we just read, it says, But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Love of God that you do not have. The love of God. Remember I said that's one? Okay. Well, what it actually means in the complete Jewish Bible, it says, I know that you have no love for God in you. And in the Weymouth Bible, that same verse says, I know that in your hearts, you do not really love God. That's what that means. He's saying, you guys don't love God. Even though they faithfully read the word, Jesus said, you don't love me. Even though they knew the text of the word. You know, people can quote scriptures that aren't even born again for goodness sake. Never accepted Jesus and they can quote the word because it's historical. Okay? The revelation of the word. Only, he only knows us. And we only know him for the revelation of the word caused by the love of God we have, caused by our love of God. Because he plainly said, you don't have love for God. John 12, 42 and 43. Okay, along the same lines. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, I think they're related to the Sadducees. You know they're sad. They did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise of God. So he's saying there's some, there were some rulers that believed Jesus was Jesus, but they didn't confess Jesus. And, and the reason is they loved the praise of men. They wanted to be in with the Pharisees. They, they, wanted, they cared more about what people thought than they cared about what God thought. They believed in Jesus but denied him for simply selfish reasons. Um, we seek after and we love. We seek after what we love, and they obviously just love the praise of men over the praise of God. We can be really religious but still not love God. Okay, and then for Matthew 23, verse 5 through 7. I mean, Jesus is talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says, But all their works, they do not, they do, all their works, they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of the garment. Anybody know what a phylactery is? Well, I kind of knew, but I went ahead and looked it up. It's a small square leather box that contains slips with scriptures in them, and they wore them on their left arm and on their head. It was to say, looky here, I know the word. And they wore that. And, and you know, it was, they wanted everybody to see that they knew the word, and they were proud of it. That's a good clue when you're proud of it. But it wouldn't be much different today than, say, our bumper stickers or our Jesus T-shirts or our uh, J. What is it? WWJD bracelets. You know? Do we really mean it? I mean, anybody can slap a t-shirt on that says, Jesus is Lord, but do they mean it? How do they live? 
How they live is more proof they love God and they're a Christian than that T-shirt is. And have you ever seen a, a, a car going down the road with a Jesus sticker and they're slamming on the brakes and they're honking their horn and they're flipping people off? That's what I'm saying. They cared more about what people thought with that sticker. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but they had no intentions of living like that. Praise the Lord. We've got to figure out what our emphasis on, is on. Is it on Him? Is it on us? A lot about us. Okay, people who love God do not love the world. So you're probably thinking, wait a minute. God loves the world. Jesus died for the world. Well, I'm not talking about the people of the world. I'm talking about the way the world is. The ways of the world and the ungodly world system. He said, don't love that. Love me instead. Because there ain't room in our heart for that and him both. Can't have two masters. You only have one master and it needs to be him. And to have him and to keep him as our master, we got to love him. I say got to love him. We get to love him. We, we, need to, we need to draw a little closer in loving him. 1 John 2, 15, 16 in the Amplified says... Do not cherish, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. In verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, that's anything that opposes God, is worldly. The lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, oh mercy, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father but are from the world itself. So you look at that and you say, well, I don't love any of that. Well, do we? The Message Bible says this. I don't think I gave you that. That's fine. It says, in verse 16, where it was telling about what all's in the world, it says, practically everything that goes on in the world. Wanting our own way. Wanting everything for yourself. Wanting to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. Just isolates you from Him. So the ways of the world and the customs of the world, the way living like this, this craving for sensual affection, fleshly sins, living carnally, sleeping around, that kind of stuff. And the longings of the eyes. The longings of the eyes are all about self. Greediness is all about being selfish. And the pride of life. Assurance in your own resources and in your own stability. Depending on me. This is my life. I'll live my life how I want to. When I or me is the biggest piece of our vocabulary, something's wrong. That's depending on yourself. God never set it up that way. He, we can't live for God and live like that. We just can't. You know where your treasure is is where your heart is. So you know what your treasure is? It's where you put your time. It's where you put your money. It's where you put your thinking even. Where you set your eyes. What you hear. That's all of that goes in the treasure. What you do with that is where your heart is going to hang. And that heart 
that we want to be desperately, unusually in love with God, if it's busy doing all this other stuff that's not godly, then God can't be there because we've made the other thing our master and our Lord. He's our Lord. He wants to remain our Lord. Now, I know you guys are just this far from getting this, right? Oh, yeah. Say, I'm in love with God. Love God. We're not going home till you do. <laughs> it's what we love that guides our heart. What do you love? Think about some things that you spent your time on. Think about some things you spent your money on. Think, think about some things that all you think about is that. That's where your heart is. That's what's guiding your life. But if, if it's time in Him, you know, God's not asking too much. He isn't asking for too much. And then you're maybe sitting there thinking, well, I've got to give Him everything. If you choose to, he's going to give you something back. Better. Better than what we could come up with. But if I can't do that, I won't be happy. Yeah, you will. You'll be happy if you love God and let him fill you up with his love all the time. Constant inflow. God's fresh every day. You know, when you go to bed... It, if you meditate on some little, some little tiny piece of God's scripture, meditate on that before you go to bed, then maybe you can sleep, sleep and think on it. I love the song we said, wake me in the night. Oh, I love him to wake me in the night. I get mad over other things waking me. I don't get mad when he wakes me up. But I love him to wake me in the night. He, if you just take one little nibble of God, one little bite of the word, you know, something that, that means something to you. I mean, say you're, you're really, you're, maybe say you're really struggling in your finances and you found something in the Word or, or you heard a CD of a really awesome pastor named Jerry and he's talking about that. And that little seed started being planted in your heart. It doesn't take much for that to manifest, you know. To get the revelation of that, it doesn't take much. But I will tell you this, the more you get, the more you want. If you don't, there's something wrong. Something's crowding it out. But get a little bit and just let him keep feeding you and get addicted to it, kind of like people get addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever. People have all kinds of fleshly addictions. This is a spiritual addiction. Let's get addicted to God. We can do it. He wants it if we set ourselves up by what? Loving Him. Say, I love God. I love God. Praise God. I believe you do. Loving the world is never, ever, ever, no matter what it is you love in the world, it's never going to satisfy you completely. Because if it did, we wouldn't have drug addicts because they'd have enough. But they've got to keep having more and more, and that part calls for more and more. 
So the world is never going to give you a life that's satisfied. Never. It's only in Jesus. Only he can satisfy. Because you see, he created us that way. It was his right. He made us. But he made us where there would be a hunger, a longing for something more than what was on this earth for him. He made us to love him. But he gave us such a boost when he gushed that holy, by the Holy Spirit, he gushed that love into us. So just know, I'm going to say that for later because I got some more here. Um, you know, Paul loved God. Wouldn't you say Paul loved God? Anybody that's been in the church more than once or twice has heard about Paul, the apostle. He loved God. He, he died for God. He was decapitated and martyred. And that's the verse on 2 Timothy 4, 6. Um, he knows in this piece of scripture, he knows, he's telling Timothy, I'm about ready, or for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. He knew he was going down. He knew. The Spirit of God might have even told him how. He knew. He said, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. That's what we're going to talk about. Having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Well, Demas, this piece right here, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas was a guy, it's only mentioned three times in the Bible, but he was one of Paul's co-laborers. He ministered with Paul. He traveled with Paul. He was on staff with Paul. He saw the miracles happen at the hands of Paul. He knew all about God. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Demas has departed for the world. Having loved the world. So we have a choice. We can love God or love the world. He chose the world over God when he left Paul. That I know of... um, well, the Bible says he went back to the ways of the world, but that I know of, there's another, another record of him coming back to God. That happens, people. People that are on fire for God that minister and leave God. And you know, I've noticed this. When, when somebody in the world is just crazy gone on the wrong side, you know what I'm talking about. If they come to God, more than likely because of their passion level, because they live passionate in the world. They were just passionate for the wrong thing. More than likely if they get saved, they're going to be passionate for God. That's how that works. So this Demas guy, my guess was, he was as passionate as Paul, but he made the wrong choice. He chose to go the other way. And then that dark side took him way off to the other side, probably visited places he'd been before, but maybe even went farther. Who knows? I'm just saying that's possible. If we don't love God, hallelujah, the more we love him, then the more we're going to think like he thinks. The more we love him, the more we're going to say the things he says. And the more we love him, the more we're going to do the things, obey 
obey him, the more we love him. When we see ourselves doing that, saying just what God says, thinking just what God thinks, doing what he tells us to do, and loving every minute of it, just know you're in love with God. That's a sign that we're in love with God. Hallelujah. Okay. This will be the last one. Probably a good thing because the time's running out. People that truly love God, they love Him more than their stuff. You know, we live in a world where material things are the thing. We've invented, we've researched, we've invented, we've did everything to have everything possible that the human mind or brain could think or want. Things crowd us. Things take the place of God sometimes. Luke 18. We're going to read 18 through 23. Now a certain ruler, this is Jesus um, counseling this rich, rich young ruler. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? Jesus said to him, Why don't you why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And Matthew's account of this says he actually left. He walked off and left Jesus, and he was really sad because he wasn't going to give up his goods. And it wasn't so much that God wanted him to give them up so he wouldn't have nothing. God wanted to see how far he would go with him. He wanted to know if he'd throw it all in, if he'd come in whole hog, if he'd come in all the way, give all his heart to God. But he didn't want to. He didn't know what was on that other side, did he? He didn't know the blessings of God. God asks you to give something, you can be well assured you're going to get it back and more. That's how that works. That's how we reap or sow and reap. That's how we give. And receive. Praise God. That's in the Word. You know, um, the first commandment that was ever given was to put no other gods before me. And things and money and possessions, even people, can come between us and God. And he, he said, that ain't going to work. That doesn't work. Because when you do that, that means you don't really love me. You're not willing to give it up for me. Why did God say that? Why did he say not to put any other gods in front of him? Because he knew it was possible that we would. He knew there was a chance. He's taken a chance. He took a chance on us. And some people came to him and some people didn't. You know, we can have things, but things just can't have us. 
And when we begin to think more about the things and we spend more time with the things and we spend more money on the things than we do on God, then it's come between us and him. And he said, we can't have this. I can't do what I want to do for you if you're going to live like this. He said, I need to have all of your heart. If I can have all of your heart, you're not going to have any needs. You're not even going to have any emotional needs. You're going to have the joy of the Lord. You're going to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But I've got to have all your heart. It's a new way of living, folks. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of doing business, working with this God. This man, this ruler, he had a chance to go farther with God. He had a chance to be captured by God. Is that what we want? I want to be captured by God. Some people don't. Some people are all in the church even are always going to have reservations. And they're always going to hold back. And they're, they're going to always think, well, is it worth it? And they're always going to weigh it out. But I say not here. Not here. Because we live too close to the end days. We live too close to the end of time. We have to hear the Spirit of God. We have to know when He's calling. We have to know when He says to do something. He can tell us. He's got big things for the church. The church is the one that's got to step up and say, you know what? I'm going to fill that place in your heart, God, that you want. I'm going to be what you want me to be. I'm going to love on you and be everything you want me to be because you're just the people that can do it. You are. I know you all. I know you love God, but there's a place where we can go higher. There's always more we can give to him, more of our heart. I know you all reach out to others. I know you love your brothers and sisters. I know you tithe and you give and you offer up things to him. I believe you read your Bible. I believe you all pray. Well, the Ephesian church did that too. God still loved them. He still loved them. He's still calling them back. He's calling the whole body of Christ back. This word's not just for our house. It is for our house too, but it's for the full body of Christ. We've got to be more in love with God. And when we are, it will show. It's going to show up on us. It's going to show up in the church. It's going to show up in your, and where you work. When we really love God, things are going to start kicking or clicking for God. He's going to be able to move faster. He's going to be able to come back sooner and get us. But we got to love him. Say, I'm in love with God. I'm in love with God. Hallelujah. We are in love with him. Would you stand to your feet, please? Praise God. Thank you all for being here. You know what? I, before, we, before I close, I want to pray with you before we go. But I, uh, in studying this thing, looking at Demas, I found this commentary in uh, McLaren's commentary. And uh, the reason I got the commentary to start with is because Kenneth Copeland recommended it. And I know he is a real man of God and in love with God. 
So I, I looked this portion up and I want to read. So listen carefully. This explains, pretty much outlines this thing that happened with Demas. It said, we are in necessary. Now remember, it's not worded soft and touchy and all that. This is a commentary. We are in necessary connection with the world, which we agree. And it's our duty to be occupied with it because we got to live here. And it's, it is cowardice to shirk the duty because of the peril that lies in it. We have to go to our jobs and do our tasks daily. And God knows how hard it is to have our hearts in heaven while our hands are busy with the things around us. We find that hard, don't we? You've got to be at work and be around people. And yet you maybe really like to just be home in prayer. Or let's go somewhere we can get closer to God, right? It's our duty to be occupied with the world, and it's fatal sin to love it. Love not the world or the things in it, but leave your mark on them. Here's our part. Work on them diligently and with all your heart. Bend them to, bend them to be your servants and to help you rise to the things above them. Don't bow down before them, for that trusting in them... That's the things we got to do and live in the world, our life in the world. That longing for them and that despair if you lose them, which will together make up the love of the world. Things seen and temporal have their ally in the senses. Feel, see, or touch or what all, all of that five stuff. By, by which we are brought into contact to follow the way of the world. Excuse me, contact with. And unless the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, by the Holy Spirit, we, like Demas, may choose to follow the way of the world. If the love of the world gets a footing in our heart, it's impossible for the love of God to continue to dominate there. Say, so that's not us. That's not us. Because we are going to live in that love that God put in our heart. Because we're going to use that love and aim it towards Him. And that's going to connect us more in Him. And then he can do what he wants to do in us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Did you get anything tonight? Yeah. Well, let's, let's bow our heads and just close in prayer. Father, we're really grateful tonight for the Holy Spirit. I am. I especially love, Father, how you move upon our hearts and, and you show us exactly what we need. You're brutally honest, but we love it, Lord. We love that your word is the truth. And we're seeing tonight that there's some things we can let you do in us. And right now, we just yield our hearts to you. We're we just going to let you massage that right into our heart, God. We're just going to let you have control of our heart right now and fill us up, Lord, again with that precious love that you are. We thank you for it, God. Thank you for marking us tonight for all eternity. We thank you that you would never forsake us or leave us and that there's nothing that can take your love away. And we will not walk away from it, Lord. We'll walk towards you and not away from you. We have faith and we believe for that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. 
and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.